Southwest Climate Podcast. This is the three men and a baby edition, but one of the men and the baby aren't here. So if you're wondering why it's my voice and not Zach Guido, it's because we want to issue a special congratulations to him and our apparently had a kid. I don't know if you knew that, but uh, I, I knew that. Yeah, yeah I actually. That's that is why the three men and a baby. That's. That's good, Ben. Ten of our 37 listeners might get that joke from the 80s movie. John Travolta? Uh, I believe so. Maybe Magnum, whoever his name was. Yeah. Tom Selleck? <laughs> Tom, yeah. I don't think Tom Selleck was in Three Men and a Baby, was he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> of that, I am certain. There, okay. There are All right, a few things good. I am certain in life. That's good. Tom Selleck's movie career is apparently <laughs> one of those things. No, so we are recording this in kind of an emergency podcast situation, partly because we're trying to figure out like how to get some content out to our folks. Uh, despite Zach's on again, off again schedule, again congratulations. Yes, and also, he did. He did. He is indeed a father, and if we got that, we made that oh, clear. Oh yeah, to be <laughs> to be very clear, <laughs> he is a dad, and he had the baby on podcast day last week. Yeah, so that's he why he didn't right. have the baby. Right. His wife did. We congratulations had... to him and his wife. Yes, and his baby too. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Well, yes, because we had the podcast scheduled for about last week, and we got a frantic text that was like, hey, guys, I'm going to have to bail. And I thought, oh, Zach's being a slacker. It's yep. like, nope, actually, he had yep. a pretty good excuse. He had a good so, one. He had know, a good one. Yeah. That's it. That's the, yep. you know, yep. on time. By waiting a week, uh, we actually have a pretty significant, at least compared to the last month or so, storm event going on right, right. now. So uh, we'll call it an emergency podcast scheduled specifically to deal with the storm event, even though it just happens to be the only time that Mike and I could get together to talk about this. That's right. So I guess, Mike, maybe we can just dive in. I mean, it seems like it's raining in Tucson and across most of the Southwest for what seems like the first time in about, I don't know, five or six weeks? Yeah, I think we're at five and six, five or six weeks. So we had our last podcast the first week of October, and we were coming off of the event the third week of September after our pretty lackluster monsoon season where we had the multi-day event in September that really hammered central Arizona, drops numerous inches of rain just outside of Phoenix and parts of the Phoenix metro area. Tucson got in in the action a little bit. Northern part of the state kind of got missed. And if I recall correctly, I don't think New Mexico had too much uh, activity with that as well. So, and then I think at the beginning of October, we were anticipating, hey, last October was wet. So maybe this one will be too. It wasn't. It, it didn't rain at all in Tucson. I think maybe a sprinkle here. Northern part of Arizona did get in, got grazed by a storm event. The very northern part of the state had some high elevation snow. Otherwise, it was a very dry pattern. It was cooler than average for the month, I think. Mm-hmm. If yes. You look at some no, of it was. Is that right? Yeah. We, the southern Arizona was closer to average, yeah. but northern Arizona... Do you like my form of climatology? Yeah. Like, I kind of like... <laughs> I could look it up, and there's probably data backing it, but my... I'm, I'm more of kind of a feelings... Yeah, yeah, no, you're... Feelings you're, guy. Spot right? on. Spot okay, on. Good. Yeah, yeah it right. was definitely... It nudged up to average and very southern, but for the most part, it was below average across most of the southwest. Excellent. So, yeah. Great. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> yeah. For temperatures, for, for precipitation, it was also right. pretty dry. Right. So. so this current event, and I think we'll probably re re go back to re go back to October and talk about it a little bit more. But this current event is a a kind of an interesting event. The East Pacific has been active. Mm-hmm. I think as we were talking about and anticipating in October, just we haven't had any access to any of that moisture, given the way the storm pattern is set up through much of the month of October, but. Uh, we did end up having a tropical storm that did get caught up in kind of a northerly fetch and got drawn up into the southern end of the Gulf of California. And the timing was great because we ended up having a low pressure system sort of drop down the west coast. 
And those two things are intersecting right today and steering the moisture in up to Arizona. It looks a lot like the September event, but much later in the season, not as much sun to drive a lot of that convection. We're not going to have crazy thunderstorm activity, a little bit of lightning today, uh, but it looks like a good, good rainer. Yeah. And then, so that's going to drive moisture and rain for the next few days then it looks like. Yeah. So it's, it's got, um, it's, the, so the September event was an, was an actual cutoff low event that, that spun around and took a while for it to kind of move in, move across the area. So that gave us several days of rain. This one's a little bit more of an active pattern. So we've got this low pressure system. It doesn't look like it's going to get quite cut off. It's not cut off, but there's some reinforcing low pressure systems and cold low pressure systems coming down later in the week. And so we're going to see is kind of a warm rain event today, a little bit of a lull, and then two more rounds of increasingly colder rain and lowering snow levels. So this will be probably our big first snow event for Arizona. Right. So the September event was really tropical and one big blast of kind of hot stormy conditions and then it, you know, cleared out. Or yeah, kind of, actually three days. So we had that kind of recycling mm-hmm. of uh, tropical moisture around the cutoff low pressure system. So we just get round of storms and it was kind of a really pretty delightful round. I mean, it was cool. It was wet. The rain um, was, I think, helpful. The hail and the tornadoes, probably not as the favorite part for, for folks in Arizona in particular. This doesn't really have that. This is actually looking a lot more like a winter storm intersecting with mm-hmm. some of that subtropical moisture. Yeah, I noticed I got a National Weather Service alert that was telling me one to two feet of snow for the high elevation areas. You know, uh, White Mountains, the Mount Graham, you know, the high elevation areas around here, but still like one to two feet by the end of the week. That's a lot of snow. It's so. good for November. Uh, I'm even thinking back to, to last November and even subsequent Novembers. Um, they've been fairly dry and warm. And so if this event kind of comes in and locks in, it will put us at... Uh, a pretty decent November total mm-hmm. across the state, especially with that snowpack starting early. The forecast for, through next week actually shows it being trophy across the West. So we could be in this kind of cool, maybe wet pattern through the end of the month, which is, man, this is... Take it after take October. It. Yeah. Take it after October. Yeah. And, and November is typically drier if we were looking at the long-term averages, right? <clears throat> yeah. So that, that, that kind of transition out of the monsoon season tails off through September. October if you look at the historical records, is more often a dry month than it is a wet month. We just end up having the in the historical record those tropical storms that come in and just hammer the state, but they're few and far between. And last year just happens to have been one of those years. So this year, tongue in cheek, expecting it to be wet, just hoping really. And it turned out to actually be quite a pleasant October given the storm pattern. There was a couple of interesting events. There was a, an epic cold snap. I don't know if you remember this. There was actually, there's two cold snaps across the West, one in the middle of the month uh, where it cooled down across Arizona quite a bit. And then right around Halloween, there was an epic cold snap. Tucson actually hit freezing at the airport. We didn't hit it at our house because mm-hmm. we're a little bit, it's interesting. We're a little higher on the East side and all the cold air settled into some of the lower parts and the airport just happens to be one of those lower spots in the River bottoms got down in the 20s that month. But just north of here, there was a huge kink in the jet stream that came right out of the Arctic. And then inland locations in Utah, there were 30 uh, below Fahrenheit readings. And wow. there were some, some locations that they're still sort of verifying some of these measurements, but 45 degrees below Fahrenheit. Some they call these sinks in uh-huh. uh, kind of interior locations. So that was a, a very interesting October event, and uh, there was some discussion on the some of the the blogs and the email listservs that I track that that kink in the jet stream was related to a typhoon 
in the West Pacific that had occurred three or four days later. Interesting. When I was looking at the seasonal or the October maps, I think all of the Intermountain West had well below average temperatures for most of October. And I wonder how much that event drug those temperatures down. I think it was probably, given the two events, those alone Mm -hmm. probably drove the entire uh, October temperatures. Yeah. So if you go Utah, much of Utah, looking at, we're looking at the West Wide Drop Tracker now and the, the temperature percentiles, much of Idaho and Northern Utah and some, some parts of, of Nevada had their record coldest October. Oh yeah. Wow. In, uh, yeah. so 1895 to, um, 2019. Yeah. So that, you know, you don't see that every year. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so that was kind of interesting. And then Arizona was cooler than average as you were as you were pointing out earlier, a little bit cooler than average in the north, and we kind of eked out. It's kind of near average to the southern part of the state. So. An interesting month, and that cold air and that kink in the jet stream, having the inland cold air, is he- that cold air is heavy, and uh, when it settles into the kind of interior west in the Great Basin, it turns into Santa Ana winds. And so we've seen California suffering through some Santa Ana wind events from this particular weather pattern, and then... We've had more of a shift to it being a Great Plains cold events. We've, we've I had my family in Michigan was had already had two feet of snow in the southern Great Lakes due to lake effect, mm-hmm. uh, and it snowed on in uh, late October in the early part of this month. So that cold air ends up turning into easterly winds for Arizona, and so here in Tucson and well across New Mexico, that cold air ends up working its way downhill back towards uh, Gulf California and Pacific Ocean. So my bike ride into campus is great, but my bike ride home is, tends to be a little uh, I have this, bit of a struggle. This, <laughs> the same thing, and the, the forecasts become the real deal when you're on your bike, uh-huh. for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and I pay attention to them in a special way yeah. uh, when, I'm, when I'm trying to bike in. So Mike, yeah, I think what's really interesting is we have this, you know, it's not a big storm event, but it feels like a big storm event because it just hasn't rained in so long. And as you mentioned, the last big one was really kind of the end of September. Uh, we've seen two or three tropical storms churn around in the Pacific, but they just re- didn't really bring the moisture into us. So, you know, we're finally getting a little bit of rain here. But what does that say about drought characterization? Kind of where are we at in terms of drought yeah. with the monsoon, the summer, and not much fall precip? I mean, how are we doing? So the drought monitor has started to respond to the summer precipitation. We've got D2 uh, severe drought that's expanded across the state and expanded uh, across the northern part of the state. So if you look at some of the statistics for June through October for the northern part of the state was the record driest uh, five-month period, June through October period on record. So the trick is, is that that same area ended up having some of its wettest conditions on record coming off of last spring. So the January through May period was was record wet, record cool, and Maine in particular was record wet and record cool for northern Arizona. So having that kind of, I think bookending is a good way of thinking about it, or just the sandwich of having cool wet conditions in the spring and record dry, uh, record dry and warm conditions across northern Arizona is, makes it a real complex drought situation. So as far as soil moisture, you're going to get a lot of good soil moisture out of those cool wet conditions. So deeper rooted vegetation, I think, is probably going to be in a better situation. Shallow rooted stuff that was re- was expecting to have the summer rainfall that didn't get it is going to be in dire situation. So that's a lot of our discussions across mm-hmm. uh, Arizona in particular have been how do we actually show these kind of different timescales of drought at the same time. So I think we're struggling with it right now. The drought characterization probably is going to hang out at D2, might get a little bit worse as we start to catch up on the drought situation. This is a good early season event. Um, I think it's it's to the 
cool season and it gets cooler from here. So that water, you know, a lot of vegetation is dormant. We're going to see decreasing. Typically, we see decreasing evapotranspiration. So kind of hitting it this early is a good sign. Mm -hmm. We just now really need to do this five more times between now and between, say March. Between now and March. Okay. And then I would then I would start to see us start of kind of reversing the situation. Mm -hmm. But man, this is a real tough tough call with the drought monitoring is, is that we're gonna get flooding rains in some of those drought locations and people are gonna to start to look for uh, improving conditions. But at the same time, others are looking for worsening conditions because those impacts are still lingering from the summer. Now, that's a good point. I, I think the other thing, in addition to the snow alerts I got on my phone, I also got the flash flood warnings for the last couple yeah. days. And it's hard to think, wow, we're in a, you know, we're in a long-term extended drought, but we're also seeing flash floods. And I realize that there are two very different things. Right. That, you know, heavy rain that runs off doesn't really help with drought necessarily. But at the same time, I think in people's minds, it's like, hey, it just rained a whole bunch. How can we still be in a drought? Totally. So, I mean, it's, this is yeah. this is Southwest climate mm -hmm. in a nutshell, is we will have both things going on at the same time. And it's very confusing. <laughs> well, um, for listeners or perhaps podcast co-hosts that don't fully understand the distinction, um, how if what, what would be the quick answer to what the difference between shallow and deep-rooted, like who would be the people who would be impacted by that differently? Summer precipitation actually drives a lot of the um, rangeland vegetation. Mm -hmm. and so, so this is like cattle ranching and forage production. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of, and there's there are uh, different vegetation are tuned up for the different seasons of precipitation. So uh, precipitation that happens in the fall through the winter will drive a lot of what we call annual vegetation. It's usually lower elevations. And so that precipitation hangs out in wet soils and starts to grow stuff in January and February. And it can be grazing, but it's also for life, you know, wildlife. And um, it's just part of sort of ecosystem function. Then there's the timing of the summer precipitation to drive perennial grasses that are warm season grasses. And so if they don't show up, then those particular grasses suffer to the point where you can have a short growing season and they might seed out real quickly and then maybe things are okay. Other situations where they just don't grow at all and you have mortality situation because they start to die back from the top and then they die out in the roots. So there's been some reports that it was as bad as it had been. I mean, we're talking record dry uh, conditions for Northern Arizona so, you know, in a hundred years, you haven't seen that those grass systems are going to really struggle through that. You may have mortality situations. If you have shrubs or trees that are deeper rooted and there indeed was water in the soil that had moved down in the profile from that kind of springtime, they may actually be able to weather that. Okay. And this is where you get this weird thing of you can have differential droughts here where say if it rained in the wintertime from now on, certain ecosystems would be fine where others would blink out and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So it's having this this kind of portfolio of precipitation is necessary. For yeah, ecosystems. that does seem like the challenge for drought characterization here just because the timing, the non-overlapping timing or the overlapping yep. timing. The seasonality yeah. kills us down yeah. here. I mean, it just makes it, makes it so complex. I mean, in California, Mediterranean climate, it has to rain in the wintertime. And if it doesn't, it makes it kind of simple. <laughs> so, you know, it's, and it, I guess the complexity would be if you did get some off-season precip, you wouldn't know what to do with it from the drought characterization. But the system really wouldn't know what to do with it either because yeah. it's out of, out of character. This summer was not a completely slow fire season, but we did not see a lot, of, especially in Arizona, we did not see that much fire activity. Yeah. It sounds like with a lot of growth in the spring and then it drying out so much in the summer with a limited monsoon, I don't know if we dodged a bullet or if it, we were just lucky or if it just kind yeah. of happened that way. But it's a really good question. I think that there, I mean, there was, there was out of character fire season activity in the Northern part of the state mm -hmm. with the late monsoon. So the fire in Flagstaff, I think was kind of an, right. you know, example that that kind of stood out, but 
we've had springs. But Flagstaff had been incredibly dry all yeah. summer, right? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. which is interesting too. So they, I mean, it was wet up there, you know, through the spring. And so it just took June in uh, the late season in July to get a couple, I think they were lightning started. I think so, yeah. I think, I think they, I think they were lightning started. And I mean, it, it didn't burn out of control, but it was close enough to town. I think it made everybody nervous. So it wasn't kind of, it wasn't, it could have been worse yeah. sort of situation. And I kind of got to believe that the, the live field moisture and just in general, the soil moisture levels probably helped temper that event a little bit. But if they would have had the monsoon come in on time and, and robustly in Flagstaff, then that event would have been a, wouldn't have been an event. Right, right, right. Right? right. Yeah. And I think that down here was wet and green through the spring, uh, short season. And then the, the humidity came in, I think, enough to sort right. of temper stuff down here. So, you know, it was, it was not your simple, I think, classic easy fire season where you have like 2011 where it just doesn't rain at all in the wintertime. Right. Or even 27, 2017, 17, 18, epic dry. We dodged a bullet uh, down here mm-hmm. probably because of, uh, well, I think forest closures helped. There was a lot of forest closures in the which they did in 2011 as well, right? They did in 2011 as well, right? And so I think that the management side of it in 2018 in that spring was good. But we also had a really strange February event where it rained for three days in February in 2018. And and we actually had flowing water in the Tucson area. Uh, Tinkerbury Falls ran for weeks off of a three-day event. And, you know, that kind of weird stuff just hits the reset button, at least temporarily, and Mm -hmm. steers things away. I don't know why I know all this. I don't know why all this stuff's in my head, actually. That's, that's why I'm that's asking. That's the strange thing about well, it. It's, yeah. it's been interesting because, you know, we've seen some pretty severe fire activity over in California. And it right. feels like we say that every year because yeah. they part of it is the wild and urban interface where they've got a lot of houses nearby. But also it does seem with climate, climate change and drying conditions and more, you know, just essentially increased fire risk that we're seeing in combination with the way development practices are happening. Yeah. And it gets us thinking, like, could we see something like that over here? Yeah, it's a different it's a different system, too. And you see a lot of those fires burning in uh, kind of lower elevation and what would be kind of like oak scrub woodland, I think would be our kind of equivalent here. So it's faster growing, and it typically has a higher return interval on those those fires. They tend, it's like manzanita here. When it burns, it burns hot and it burns good. And it tends to grow back fairly quickly. So I think California is then kind of that boom-bust cycle of seeing wet years, grows a ton of vegetation, dries out. Santa Ana winds are very normal. That creates catastrophic fire conditions that are generally tough to generate here. We don't, we don't have an equivalent. We can, we can do great with fire weather here. It's typically in the spring out of that kind of transition season here. But those are kind of special, unique events. And they're also not kind of high elevation forest fires uh, generally either that we've been talking about too. Yeah. And I think that that general sort of climate change, warming, drying uh, is going to impact our fire seasons a little bit differently in that seasonality than it is going there. Kind of different complexities there. We probably just don't quite have the the housing density either like located right in the middle of... Yeah. It's interesting. We we don't... We actually don't have the vegetation density... But I think that our our bad fire years, I mean, we have the vegetation density up in the forest, and that's where our thinning efforts are uh, to try to reduce that density to try to make those those fires less catastrophic. We're going to have another bad year again, you know, and the 2011 was epic for Arizona, and so that's where you see a lot of that. We didn't have a fuel limitation. It was moisture limited because of that dry conditions. 
17, 18, we got lucky. We really got lucky. And, you know, it, that those years are fairly common down here. So, and it's warmer. So that, that kind of background condition I think is going to lead to it. So I'm just hoping it's not this year, right? Man, this event that's going on right now, maybe this is the beginning of a beautiful winter. Well, so speaking of, and, and on a nicer note than oh, the fire and the Eternal optimist, yes. Uh, I mean, we're, we're in an end zone neutral cycle, so yeah. we're not looking at any specific uh, signal one way or the other. We're kind of just dealing with, I guess, the random variability of a, of a quote unquote normal southwestern winter. But what's on tap, I guess? Oh, yeah. I mean, I hope we just do last winter again. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> I really I really enjoyed that. The forecasts, official uh, outlooks from Climate Prediction Center are dealing with ENSO neutral. Mm-hmm. So the typical strong forecasting signal isn't there right. this year. So you do see in the uh, the January-February outlook for the, the uh, southwest, both southern, well, actually all of Arizona and New Mexico have a, a slight lean towards below average. And as far as I can tell, that's actually some weak forecasting tools that they have. I don't know if the tools are weak, but the signal in the tools right, is right, weak, right. right? And a little bit of trend. They're kind of leaning on dry winters being, you know, more frequent than others. So it's it's not a very good signal. And so I think what's going to drive this winter is going to be probably Madden-Julian oscillation activity. So it's going to be kind of looking at the 8 to 14 day outlooks, mm-hmm. maybe the th- week 3 to 4 to kind of track stuff at that shorter time scale to see what we're going we're gonna to deal with. But to try to say what February is going to be like... It's no, pretty hard to do until the yeah. end of January. Probably be above average temperatures because <laughs> right. that's what every outlook actually says. But yeah, I think as we get into the show, we just have to watch this one evolve as we normally do. Right. right? right. And it's not tr- a La Nina. Right. I mean, we got that going for us. Well, and in terms of range variability, I think you've said this before, but some of the driest winters we have on record were Enzo neutral, but some of the wettest winters on record have also been Enzo neutral. So Amen, brother. We that's pretty it. much yep. have the full range of possibilities. See, I like it. You know, in that, you know, it's like, so you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> sort of that's, that's why I look at Enzo neutral winters is that, yeah, there, there are some bad ones in there. Yeah. But, you know, I'm wanting a t-shirt that says, it's, at least it's not a La Nina. So we know that La Nina tends to be drier than average. And I think El Nino is just consistently disappointing over the past <laughs> five or six years True. because we keep thinking that El Nino means a wet winter and it right. hasn't right. always played out that way. Right. So Aren't we going to be surprised when we actually get a wet El Nino? Like we're going to, the next one that shows up, we're going to be so down on it and it will be, hey, it'll do what it's supposed to do. We'll be surprised. It's the boy who cried, not wolf. <laughs> a bunch of different times. No, I, I like the neutral winter or the Enzo neutral winter. Cause it just means anything can happen. And yeah. that seems kind of exciting. I, it's, yeah. it's exactly the, yeah. the, where I'm coming with it too. Yeah. You know, like uh, 92, 93, it, it still is ascribed to being an El Nino winter. And it wasn't, if you mm-hmm. go back in there, it was actually a neutral winter. And that was, that was an epic winter and it had atmospheric rivers, Madden Julian oscillation at all the cast of characters and the fun with it. We also have a fair number of very dry ones in there too. So I just prefer to think about those fun wet winters and yeah. you know it, censor out the things I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. I, see. I think the difference is we don't have those elevated expectations that El Nino brings. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. there's less likelihood of being disappointed, yeah. but maybe more likelihood of being pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Which... It could be fun. Why not? Right? Yeah. 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 yeah let's exactly. go. Exactly. Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks everybody for listening. I know the, you got to bear with the emergency podcast. Uh, I, I'll make note that I'm looking outside the window. It looks like the, the rain has already ended for this particular little mini event, but I guess we're looking at more snow for the rest of the week. So Drought's that's over. kind of exciting. That's right. Yeah, Drought's over at rain yeah. today. So, Call it good. Um, but yeah, um, hopefully Zach will be able to join us again here pretty soon. With his newborn. With the tales yeah. of having a baby. I thought he was going to bring his baby. <laughs> 
So. I was hoping that would happen. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Take care. We know that La Nina is the one that consistently is driving than average. Yeah. El Nino seems to be... Con it's like a emergency broadcast signal. <laughs> it's funny, it's a bird sound. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, I, guess, yeah, I could see that. Uh, 